Today, I'm going to talk to you about the framework that I use to build a professional mix. That's coming up on Home Music Studio One. Hey guys, Dave Maxi here uh, from Home Music Studio One. This is the show where you can learn to produce professional audio on any size budget. And uh, if you haven't joined us in the community yet, the online community, head on over to homemusicstudio1.com and you can do that. Won't cost you a thing and literally you can be part of the growing community. So head on over again to homemusicstudio1.com. With that, uh, in just a minute, I want to share with you something that uh, has been extremely helpful to me that I've kind of defined and kind of tweaked and played with over the years. And uh, this is a process that I call the 4-3 Framework for building a professional mix. And so we'll get there in just a minute. Uh, But before we do, I kind of want to set this up just a little bit so you understand kind of uh, how things are, uh, you know, really kind of forming a little bit, specifically with Home Music Studio One. Uh, It's been now, uh, I think, close to a month since I've uh, had another episode out, and most of that was due to the fact that I've got this sinus junk going on, which I'm kind of trying to get over so I can actually finally talk a little bit right now. But I've had a lot of time to process uh, really where we've kind of gone almost in this last year with uh, the site and the podcast and now the video version, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening to the audio feed, you can head on over to youtube.com forward slash Studio one that's H Music Studio One, and you could subscribe to us through the YouTube feed, and uh, you can get the video version of this as well. But uh, just kind of in this last month, I've really kind of had a chance to process uh, really uh, all the different things I've kind of tried with Home Music Studio One. And here's what, what we set out originally to do was help you, as I just said a minute ago, to produce professional audio on any size budget. And then, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking back to my early days in the early 90s, and I've shared parts of these stories before, but one particular occasion, I remember uh, in the very first studio that I ever had a chance to work in, I was actually there when we built the thing from nothing. Uh, it, it was actually in a barn, and we began to add equipment and gear into that, on into, uh, you know, something that was, was really kind of a cool setup after a year or so later as we began to put some gear and more things in uh, inside this barn, decked it out, had a, you know, a control room on the other side of, uh, you know, a listening booth, and, uh, you know, I had the, the studio phone the whole nine. Really was a cool setup. But I remember the very first day that I actually was uh, in the studio as we were really, we only had one piece of equipment. We had a Fostech uh, eight-track recorder, which would allow you to do four tracks at once and then bump them down to the other side of cassette tape, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I was working on that recorder. I remember I had written a song. I was doing the band thing at that time, and I was trying to record my very first tune, all right? Uh, this is the first time that I'd sat down and, and I had my electric guitar. And at that time, I had this Zoom pedal. Uh, it might have been the 909. I don't remember the exact model number. It had a little uh, pedal on it where you could use kind of the wah. And all the sounds were built in uh, with your distortion and your flanges. Whatever you needed was built into this pedal. 
And uh, the the pedal at the time was kind of a revolutionary thing that just came out. It had a really cool delay that you could use on it, and it had a direct output. And I remember trying to record with that direct output. Didn't know anything at the time about using an amp and a mic or any of that. I just remember thinking, hey, quarter inch out from the pedal, quarter inch right directly into the Fostec. What could go wrong, right? And uh, you know, maybe you had the same experience. The moment I played my at that time, I had the Joe Satriani Ibanez with the double locker. Uh, you know. Uh, electric guitar you know you could just scream on at will on the whammy bar for whatever reason uh you know it was fun okay a wonderful guitar that i you know learned on i remember plugging that guitar into the zoom um running that pedal directly into the recorder throwing the headphones on and just expecting this was going to be awesome and what it sounded like was sharp and harsh and it just sounded terrible and i remember thinking man this is this is disappointing and i played for hours with the eq tried to tweak the highs put a little more mid into it and it just never really had that good sound and uh, finally, after me being there almost an entire half of the day, one of the uh, the gentlemen that actually owned the facility came by, and he, he just was talking to me and realized that I was having some issues. And he said, "You know what? Let me let me give somebody a call that I think could help you out." And uh, so I made a quick phone call, and less than a 30 minutes later, uh, what turned out to be a wonderful friend of mine, his name is Arland. Uh, Arland stopped by and uh, began to I, you know, share with Arlen exactly what I was trying to do. And Arlen had some great ideas right off the bat. And what he realized that in his own recording experience back in that time, they had this little device called the Rocktron, I believe it was. And it was a little portable guitar amp is what it was. Uh, really, you could plug a pair of headphones into it, plug your electric guitar into it, and you could just be jamming with distortion uh, you know, anywhere you wanted. And what he discovered with this unit was it was great for recording because it was that at that time it was kind of revolutionary cabinet emulation okay no one really knew that uh, when you plug your headphones that that was really happening but he discovered that if you took that headphone out and converted it to a, a stereo uh, quarter inch you could throw it into a, a recorder and you could get a pretty decent electric guitar sound and, uh, you know, that kind of sparked a journey for me. And what I realized that in my early recording days, I needed Arlen and I needed actually a lot of Arlen's, okay? I needed a lot of different people to show me a lot of different things so that I could do uh, what really I was hearing in my head and, and, and really learn the process of developing that professional sound, kind of going from amateur, very amateur in those early days, to uh, being able to produce some of the projects that I have been able uh, to in more recent years. Everybody needs an Arlen was kind of, uh, you know, the, the thought. And when I sat out almost a year ago to really put together Home Music Studio One, helping you create professional audio on any size budget, my, really my goal and my heart in doing that was was to kind of be your Arlen, okay, to help you out and kind of navigate this process of home recording and what that looks like. And so I've been kind of really testing the waters over these last several months, listening to the feedback that I've gotten. Thank you, by the way, all of you for just giving me your feedback, the, uh, you know, the responses to the post, the, uh, you know, the, 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 all the different feedback that I've gotten, email, tons of uh, likes and tons of uh, interaction through the Facebook page, through Twitter. We're kind of all over the place. But, uh, you know, I've really kind of been putting together a, a picture of what this whole thing looks like and trying to determine how can I help you? How can I be the best Arlen for you that I possibly can? 
and uh, really that that's what I'm after. And so uh, I, in this last month, I've really been able to process kind of all the feedback. I, I threw a survey out uh, about a month and a half ago and got uh, almost 100 responses from you guys. And there's some things that really kind of stood to the top of what your biggest struggles with, uh, you know, began to, you know, are in home recording, okay? And, and so uh, here, here's what I've been able to do. I've kind of looked at over the process that I filed through the last several, uh, you know, all the, all the years of recording. And I thought to myself, how can I package this in an easy, simplified way that you can take it and run with this? And I've come up with something that I call, uh, that I call the 4-3 framework for building a professional mix. And I want to explain to you exactly what that is. And let me just say as we set this up that the 4-3 framework is something that works uh, that you can begin to build out from there on any genre of music with virtually any gear that you have, uh, with virtually any knowledge you can start working in the 4-3 framework and build out from there. And the better you get at, at defining what this looks like, the better you get at working out and building off this framework, the more professional your mixes are going to be, okay? And it certainly is a process. This isn't necessarily an all-inclusive formula. It is a framework that I use every time I sit down and build a mix. Now, uh, our last uh, podcast episodes, you're, you're listening or watching episode number 20, uh, number 19 and number 18, we began to explore uh, the process of kind of putting the building blocks into place of designing and creating a project from start to finish. And this is really the next step that I want to share with you is how to process as we begin to move along what it looks like using the 4-3 framework of building your mix and kind of building out from there. So let's go ahead and take a look uh, at my computer here. I want to show you a little bit of what this looks like like. Okay, so here we are. Uh, I want to talk to you as, as like I said, we want to begin into just kind of ironing this out just a little bit. The four, three framework for building a professional mix. And I want to share kind of an overview. Again, this, this is the entire process that, that I build all that I do into my mixes within. This is the framework that everything that I do, regardless of the music style that I'm sitting down with, uh, I process everything through the 4-3 framework. And uh, this is literally going to become kind of the foundational pieces from everything that happens with Home Music Studio One from here forward. I believe this process is, is amazingly helpful. It's not really complicated, but uh, it is important, very important to kind of develop uh, a working knowledge of the 4-3 framework and kind of build out your projects from there because the end goal is a path that will lead you to a professional mix. And so let me say right off the bat that that uh, the entire model of the 4-3 framework first assumes that you've kind of got some basic, what I call studio housekeeping in place. And what that means is, you know, understanding of using the proper cables, the gear, audio interface drivers, your general setup, speaker placement of your studio monitors, all those are things that we deal with in quite detail in Home Music Studio One. And so those are all things that are kind of assumed that, uh, you know, the, that those are in place in order to really begin to process the 4-3 framework. And you're dealing predominantly with a project or a mix. And so we definitely got to address those issues in the basic, uh, you know, studio housekeeping. And so I've got a lot of a lot of tutorials and some things that'll help you do that as you continue along. But let me let me kind of explain a couple things here about the 4-3 framework. Uh, it is it is something the reason I call it the 4-3 is because it is a process by which there are four tiers 
Uh, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. There are four tiers that make up this framework. Again, kind of thinking the mindset of we're building something here. And so of the four three, the four represents the four tiers that make up this framework. And then each of those tiers collectively have three phases of operation that you will process them in. And again, this is going to be an overview. So hang with me. Uh, it'll begin to make sense as I iron this out. And then also, I always want to point out that uh, even though this is a framework that I use, it is just that. It is a framework, okay? And so uh, it, it is pretty inclusive, but it is not 100% all-inclusive. And what that simply means is on occasion, there are things that uh, we need to understand that may be exceptions when it comes to home recording of uh, you know certain exceptions that maybe will fit in a different spot within the framework. Uh, maybe they're in a different order than what I'm going to share with you, but those are uh, just that. They're exceptions, okay? So every now and again, We'll run across something that we need to kind of uh, adjust a little bit on the fly. But as a whole, the 4-3 framework is going to work. You'll be able to process this starting here, working through the four tiers that I'm going to share with you, and then uh, ironing them out under the three phases of operation. And as you do that, the better you get at filling in uh, around this framework, the more professional your mixes will sound. So let's go ahead and, uh, and take a look at tier one. Tier one in the 4-3 framework is what I call the tone tier. Now, this is the very first thing that I do uh, within uh, the mix that I'm processing. I'm processing, first of all, the tone of my tracks. And uh, I'll, I'll share with you kind of what this looks like in the three phases of this in just a moment. But these are things like EQ, uh, effects that don't really change the dynamics, okay? We're not dealing with compression here. They don't really change the stereo image or the depth of field. In other words, the space. We're not talking about creating kind of a, a virtual space here. These are things like distortion, tube saturation, uh, de-essing, noise gating, noise removal, those kinds of things. Even, uh, you know, definitely some pre-EQ these are things that are that have to do with shaping the tone of your individual track, okay? So they're just about tone and not really dealing with anything else, okay? Uh, from there, uh, the next tier that I focus on is what I call the depth of field tier, okay? Uh, remember, we're building something here. We're building a framework, and all of these tiers work hand-in-hand hand with one another, and they build upon another. And this is literally the order that I follow these in, and I do think that that is important, but in the depth of field tier, this is the place where uh, you know begin to address creating the perceived space. Uh, of your mix, of, of your instrument, of your track, of your vocal line, of, of your drums, whatever it is, you're creating a space, and typically this is done by using, say, reverbs, delays, phase shifts, different things like that, where we're not, this isn't just panning, okay, we'll talk about that in a minute, this is creating the virtual space that allows my mix to feel like it's not just flat, dead in the water, but it's, it's, it's in a space, okay, it's something that I'm trying to create, and again, this is usually done by using reverbs, delays, and uh, we talked about this a little bit, uh, but you know, in, in past episodes. But this is built upon the tone tier. We start first with tone, and then we move into the tier that deals with kind of creating our perceived space within our mix. Now, these two are built very closely uh, on the third tier that I call the stereo field tier. And uh, you may think, well, you know, the depth of field and the stereo field, aren't they the same? Well, they're really not. And the reason they're not, uh, even though they play off one another, they're, they're absolutely imperative as we build these, that we build these together. 
The reason I identify the stereo field tier as a unique piece is because this really deals with uh, processing and utilizing the three sweet spots in your stereo field. And when I say stereo field, I'm speaking of the left, the right, and the center of your mix. How are we manipulating predominantly using panning within that stereo field, okay? Uh, we could go into the arguments of stereo versus mono. Uh, I'll simply say this in regarding this. Mono has a place when it comes to processing. I'll, I'll, you know, Later on in episodes, we can deal with that. But if you've got two ears, okay, and you've got a stereo mix, you need to understand how to properly process specifically using the center, the left, and the right of those mix, and what does everything look like in conjunction with that. That is something that is imperative. That is definitely, uh, it's the, the process that I use of kind of tier three of the 4-3 framework. Now, the last tier that I process uh, my mixes in is what I call the dynamic tier, okay? Now, remember, again, these build upon each other, and on occasion, there, there's reason to kind of go out of order in some of these. If you've got a track that, that you know, you may have a, a reason to do something slightly out of order, but as a whole, this is not only the order, but this is the process that I, that I use, this framework to build everything on each individual track around, and the fourth tier that I use is the dynamic tier, is what I call the dynamic tier. Now, this is the place where uh, the mixing techniques of compression apply, using limiting, using automation, uh, and, and production, being kind of the producer. Uh, you know, I've shared before something that I call the 100% rule. In the dynamic tier, it is important what instruments come in and where. How much are you playing? The 100% rule is, is simply this. If you had a four-piece band playing or you had, say, uh, you know, four elements just for sake of ease here, if you had four elements of your mix, you had a, a bass, a drum, a guitar, and a vocal, okay? All of those things together make 100% of the entire mix. And so dynamically, they need to be processed, they need to be produced, each track in such a way that at any given point, everything collectively equals 100%. If you've got a guitar that is just jamming out full power chords, okay, and everything is just loud and everything is in your face and uh, and there's no dynamic to it and it, and it, it, is, it comes in in every spot of the song from start to finish, what you've got is you've got one instrument making up 100% of the dynamic range and then you add your other instruments to it and you break that 100% rule. So the idea is this, in the dynamic dynamic tier, you're using techniques, using compression, limiting automation, as well as the overall production of the mix to create dynamics, appropriate dynamics. The 100% rule basically says if you've got four things going on. Each of those things at any given point would make up, say, 25% of the dynamics. If something else makes up 50%, then everything else needs to be less than the dynamics. So the total collective is 100%. That's what I call the 100% rule. We'll explain that a little bit more in the future. So here's the four tiers of the 4-3 framework to a professional mix. The tone tier, the depth of field tier, the stereo field tier, and then lastly, the dynamic tier. Now this again is a framework. It is a framework by which I build all of my mixes on. And now this framework resides within what I call three phases, okay? three phases. In other words, you're going to process things within these tiers, but you're going to have three different phases of how you look at those tiers. There are three different ways, three different times within a, a project that you're going to look at these tiers differently. 
The first phase is what I call the pre-production phase, okay? The pre-production phase. Within this phase, you're processing your individual tracks through the 4-3, but you're looking at them more as kind of individual instruments, uh, voices, or effects. You're less concerned about what they look like as a whole. Uh, this would be things like you're processing that guitar tone, just you and the amp in the room, getting that nice, good, warm sound with just straight out of your amp, okay? You're not hearing drums or anything else. This is pre-production, all right? You're you're dealing with mic placement on your drum kits. You're tuning up the instruments. But as a whole, you're looking at the tracks through the 4-3 more as an individual instrument, voice, or effect. And you're processing all four of those tiers, but you're looking at that track differently in the pre-production phase. Uh, it is something that uh, it's important to leave as much space as possible for the next phase, which is post-production phase. In other words, you want to be careful. If, if you need lows at some point, you think you may need lows in that electric guitar, don't record it by cutting the 120 on down. Leave your EQ flat. Give yourself room to process that same guitar in post-production. Now, here's the difference of the post-production phase. Within the post-production, we're looking at our tracks also through the four three tiers, but we're looking that at them more as an entire mix, okay? What do those tracks look like together? How is this guitar, how is this voice affecting everything else around it? Is my kick drum EQ'd in such a way in the tone tier, in the depth of field tier, in the stereo field, in the dynamic tier? Is it EQ'd? Is it, is it, is it adjusted in such a way that it is actually rubbing against, say, the bass guitar? In the post-production phase, we're processing our tracks through the 4-3, but we're looking at them kind of as an entire mix, okay? And I also put down here that it's important in this phase to leave room for the mastering process without sacrificing the quality of the overall mix. In other words, don't don't just think to yourself, man, I need I need to get the loudest possible uh, output right now of my final mix that I that I can. In the post production phase, don't be too worried about that. Just worry about things like not clipping. Okay, worry about getting a good mix and a good balance. Uh, worry about the four tone tier or the four tiers of the four three framework: tone tier, depth of field, stereo, and the dynamic tier. But process them as as an overall mix. And how does each individual track work with those around it? But don't think about this as kind of a, a, a mastering phase. In other words, you don't need the maximum volume possible at that point. Uh, you don't necessarily need multi-band compression and cramp everything down. There's some things that you'll deal with that are only in the mastering phase, which is the last phase of the 4-3, the mastering phase. Now, in the mastering phase, uh, we certainly continue to process our tracks through the 4-3, but we do this with more of a polished mindset, more of a subtle changes. Uh, if, it, if it's not improving, then it's, it's taking away from the whole process. Okay, so we're looking at everything as a full mix, but we're looking at it more of what I put down here is this is not something that is going to fix a poor post-production phase, but it's more like the wrapping of the entire package for presentation. Mastering is not about fixing issues that should have been taken care of in the pre-production or the post-production phase. Mastering is about taking this final project and putting the polishing touches on it all so that you've got this package that is now, uh, you know, ready to be presented. You know, if you were, uh, you know, you bought a gift, let's just say your, your significant other really wants something for their birthday and you know, and you think to yourself, you know what, I can make that. I can create whatever it is they want. And so you, you spend all this time creating 
creating whatever that gift is, uh, well, in the end, you're not just going to take it and uh, and set it on the kitchen table and say, here it is, babe. Uh, you know, there it is for you. No, you, you may put it in a box. You might wrap it up nice and neat. You're going to put a bow on it. Okay. You might even put a little card with it. That represents the mastering phase. It's, it's not about building the project. It's about fine tuning and polishing it so it's ready to be presented. That is the third phase of the 4-3 framework. So let me just kind of quickly recap. We've got four phases or four uh, tiers within the framework, okay? The tone tier, number one. Number two, the depth of field. Number three, the stereo field. And number four, the dynamic tier. And those tiers are all processed in three simple phases. The pre-production phase, the post-production phase, and the mastering phase. And again, all of this is done under the assumption that you've got some basic recording, housekeeping things in place. You've got your gear working. You've got you know drivers up and tuned for your audio interface. You've got decent mics. You've got good cables. Those things that we still need to address. But when you begin to build this framework out and build it out from there, looking through all these uh, tiers and understanding what phase you're in is absolutely paramount to lead you to a professional mix. You will not find a professional mix that has not addressed these four uh, tiers, and and they've been addressed really in three different phases, kind of with three different mindsets of how you look at them. And uh, in future episodes, I'm going to begin to build out how I process those tiers and, uh, and exactly what that looks like, understanding again that this is a framework. This is something that you can follow and you can apply it to any mix in any given situation, in any style, regardless of the gear that you have. It won't cost you a thing to begin to think through what does my tone look like on each track as I'm recording, as I'm, as I'm now in the post-production phase, as I'm considering mastering, what, what does that look like? The depth of field, am I creating a space for my mix to set within, or does it just simply feel dry and lifeless? Am I creating, am I utilizing the center of the mix? Am I keeping the important things out of the center, pushing them to the outside, the kind of the, the, uh, you know, the, the sweet spots of that stereo field, the left, the right, and the center? Am I utilizing them properly? And then lastly, am I using dynamics? Have I produced the mix properly with dynamics? Am I using compression where it needs to be? Am I processing things dynamically with with ups and downs, riding the sliders with proper automation so that I'm getting a nice, warm, beautiful dynamic that takes people on a journey through my mix? Or am I just slamming it all out? Here's everything. Bam. 100% of the time, all the time. Process your mix through the 4-3 framework and you will find that the more, the better you get at looking at each of these tiers uh, and the better you get at understanding the phase you're in, the more professional your mixes will sound. So here I'll leave you today. Here's what I want you to do today is to look at a project that you're using and identify, first of all, what phase you're currently in. And as you understand what phase you're in, you may need to back up a little bit if you're further on down or if you're just getting ready to record, begin to process your project through these four tiers and begin to think, where is my tone? Where is the depth of field? Where is the stereo field? Where are things sitting in that stereo field? Do I have dynamics set? And the simplest way to begin to understand how to answer those questions, use a reference mix, compare it to what you have, but ask these specific questions dealing in the 4-3 framework with each one of these tiers and understanding what phase you're in. So that's your assignment for today. And uh, we'll come back with future episodes and give you a little more to chew on to kind of begin to
begin to process this. Hopefully, this has been helpful to you. And uh, this is, again, going to be the framework, the 4-3 framework that we're going to use really kind of as the foundation for everything we build out from Home Music Studio One. I think it'll really help you. Uh, if you've got any questions or input, I'd love to hear from you. Head on over to homemusicstudio1.com forward slash contact. You can send me an email. And again, if you haven't joined the community yet of literally hundreds of online members, we'd love to have you be a part of that. You can head on over to homemusicstudio1.com and do that. And uh, just as a thank you for doing that, I will send you uh, a link to download a free ebook answering one of the most popular questions I get. And that is called Understanding Compression in the Home Music Studio. And uh, so if you haven't done that, won't cost you a thing. Join the community. Uh, be a part of, uh, of growing with us together, building professional mixes on any size budget. You can do that by heading on over to Home Music Studio One. And until next time, this is Dave Maxey uh, with Home Music Studio One. We'll catch you.